Today's sermon is going to be entitled Seed Time and Harvest. Everybody say Seed Time and Harvest. Thank you. I've been preaching on seed time, or excuse me, prince, a kingdom principles for about the last month because we've been learning about how to live by God's righteous standards. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 has been our proof text for the series. And this proof text teaches us what Jesus said was the most important thing to do in your life if you wanted to be blessed. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 33 says this, but seek first. Everybody say first. Amen. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. Thank you. And all these things will be given to you as well. Can you say all these things? Amen. Thank you. The Bible is talking about a kingdom that's on this earth that you should seek and that God would bless you. He said, pray that my kingdom would come, my will to be done on this earth as it is in heaven. He told us to pray that. So we're supposed to see God's kingdom on this earth. God's kingdom repels darkness. It is a kingdom of light. Darkness is what people do. Their deeds of sin and drugs, alcohol, addiction, spousal abuse, done in darkness. The kingdom of God pushes that out brings the light. Have you ever seen darkness argue with light when you turn on a room light in your in your house? Does darkness say, no, I'm not going to go? No, it instantly dispels. When that light turns on, darkness leaves. When the kingdom of God comes upon this earth through believers, the darkness of Satan dispels in Jesus' name. There is no fight between light and darkness. Sometimes we think that God and the devil are in some great, you know, wrestling match and that the devil kind of gets him in a hold and then Jesus gets him back. No. Light comes on, darkness flees. When you turn on your lights, the cockroaches, they leave, don't they? Run like a little cockroach. That's the devil. Look at your neighbor and say, he's a cockroach. I was eating some Cuban food the other day. You know, I mean, I got that in me today. So when we look at the kingdom of God, the Bible says it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Seek first his kingdom. And the Bible teaches us that it's the act and rule and reign of Jesus Christ in your life. You're a part of a kingdom. Let me tell you something. You're not the king. You're not the boss. You're not getting it your way right away. Amen. The Bible says he's going to do it his way at his time. And as the old timers used to say, he's not early. He's never late, but he's always right on time. He may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. And so what I'm teaching today is that God is looking for kingdom minded people. You're not putting your job first, even as noble as it is to put your family first. No, not family first, not even the church first. You're You're putting the kingdom of God first, and then everything after that follows. Your family follows. Where you go to church at follows. How you have a job follows. Are you listening? Can you say amen? Thank you. Seek first the kingdom, the act and rule and reign of Jesus Christ in your life, and his righteousness. You see, if the Bible didn't put and his righteousness, we could be some of those granola Christians, fruits, nuts, and flakes, just like, ooh, I'm on a spiritual journey to the kingdom of God, to the deepest of deaths. I'm with the Jacques Cousteau of the Spirit. I am discovering all the deep things of God. No, we're not going to be deep and all weird here. The Bible says when you seek the kingdom, the next thing you're seeking is righteousness. That means there's right things to do in your life. There's principles. You don't just show up and say, I believe in God and then go home osmosis it hits you on the head you've got to go out there and put to work these good deeds so that god can bless your life your marriage just won't get blessed because you showed up to church today drugs won't come out of your life because you just showed up to church today there are principles you have got to put in your life so the bible is saying seek first jesus christ as your king and your life seek first his kingdom and seek first his principles righteous things doing the right thing if you're ready can you say i'm ready Amen. Today's message, the principle of seed, time, and harvest. Genesis chapter 8, will you turn there with me, please? As you're turning there, excuse me, I want you to be reminded of what principles we've already talked about. The first principle that we came and talked about was the principle of knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Meaning in everything we do, we have to have the proper knowledge of God's will. We have to not only say, well, I know that. I know that speeding is wrong. No, you need to understand if you speed, you get a ticket. And it needs to go beyond just knowledge and understanding. It needs to go to wisdom, I best not speed. Can you say amen? Knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. That was the first principle. Then another principle to live by was the anointing. Everybody say the anointing. 
Thank you. Christos in the Greek. That's where we get the word Christ. It means to cover. We begin to learn that we cannot do things in this kingdom unless God gives us power. You can no more be a Christian without God than you could be a chicken in a hen house right now. You can't make yourself be a chicken. You can't. No matter how much you buck, 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 you can't do it. And no matter how much you come to church, praise the Lord. I read my Bible and I just don't. No, if you don't have the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you're just playing religion because there's a whole lot of people showing up to church today, reading books and being fed a wafer and a grape juice that have no more power than a little child or just babes. Are you listening? And the devil loves that. Let me just preface this when we talked about the anointing. I didn't get to say it then. Let me say it now. If you were going to pick a fight with somebody and it was life or death and you had to fight a baby, you would feel sorry for it. You would say, oh, I couldn't fight a baby. I mean, that's, that's just mean. But you know what? The devil, he's a thief. The devil, he's a robber. The devil, he's a murderer. The devil loves killing children. Abortion comes from the heart of Satan. And you know what the devil wants? He wants you to be little children, little, not, not children in a faith in a good way. He wants you to be weak, puny little Christians. And when he comes to your house, he'll just take your family and put them on drugs. He'll bring divorce to your marriage because you can't stop him. He doesn't feel sorry from taking candy from you. He will take everything. He will rob, steal, and destroy your life. But not here. Look at your neighbor. Say, not here. But as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. We got an anointing. When he shows up here, he's in for a fight in Jesus' name. And the Bible says, I will trample on scorpions and serpents and nothing shall hurt me. The Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. That's an anointing. And I wish I had half a church to get one right now. You need an anointing to take on the devil. You could just say, well, that's that spiritual stuff. I'll just go to church. No, you'll get pimp slapped by the devil at church is what will happen. We came to bring terror to the enemy. Read the story of David and Goliath again. All the other people were like little children. They were afraid of Goliath. All the Israelites, they knew the God of Israel. They had the same Bible David did, but they were all afraid on their side. Just sitting there watching them. And then Goliath came out. I double dog dare you come out here and fight me. They were scared. The Bible says not only did David say, I will take down this joker, this Philistine. The Bible says from a long way off, he saw Goliath. He said, I'm coming after you, boy. And boom, knocked him down. You don't know the rest of the story. Took his own sword, cut off his head, raised it up to his boys that were afraid. Ah! Attack. God is on our side. Praise God, I'm looking for some devil casting out, knocking off their head, ripping it apart, anointed church folk. Woo! You can get happy, you can get scared, but I'm going to fight back in Jesus' name. And then my wife talked about the cross. Everybody say, La Cruz. We talked about La Cruz, the cross. That everything revolves around the cross. I want to be cross-eyed. That everything you do in life, see the cross. Because when you make mistakes, the cross says you're forgiven. When you come to sickness, the cross says you're healed. When you come to your struggles and pain and sorrows, the cross says tears are being dried. The Bible says put the cross in the front of everything you do. Make the cross the center of your life. And you'll see the power of the cross in your life. Amen? God is looking for a radical church. And then last week we talked about grace and truth. Somebody say grace and truth. And the principle of grace and truth is, is you are always, as a Christian, going to be knowing what you should do, but messing up as you're trying to do it. And so you need the grace to keep on going. You need to be able to forgive yourself. You need to be able to forgive your neighbor. But at the same time, you're not going to compromise and say it's all greasy, grace, sloppy, agape. No, you need grace to be forgiven, but truth, how to stop sinning. You see, I just don't want to be forgiven of my temper. I want to be changed from my temper. I just don't want to be forgiven of perversion, creating me a clear Clean heart, O oh God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. That was last week's message. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, get the MP3. Now today's message, you're ready. Seed, time, and harvest. If you're in Genesis 8, somebody say, I'm there. Thank you. Come on. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of man. Even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood, and never again will I destroy all creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed, time, and harvest. Everybody say, seed, time, and harvest. Thank you. Seed, time, and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. What's happening here in Genesis chapter 8? Noah's people had just been flooded for 40 days and 40 nights. We estimate somewhere around 10 million people died that day when God flooded the world. 
Now Noah's coming off with his wife, his three sons, Japheth, Ham, and Sheth, and they're coming off with their three wives, six children with the wives, and husband and wife Noah, eight people, that's repopulating the planet. Noah got down and lit up a sacrifice to God and said, God, forgive us for what we've done. And this is what God said back. He said, never again. Everybody say, never again. He said, never again will I curse the ground because of man. And he says, every thought in their heart is evil from childhood. I don't have time to talk about this, but this is God saying that he knows from this point on we're going to be born sinners. Because Genesis 8 is not a few chapters away from Genesis 1. He created us perfect in his image. But now that that had been ruined through Adam and Eve's sin, and then their children's sin, Cain, and onward and onward and onward, sin kept happening. He said, this is going to be the state of man. They're going to be sinners, but I'm not going to send a flood and destroy it again. I'm going to give them some principles and laws. Everybody say principles. He said, I'm going to give them principles and laws to live by. As long as the earth endures, there'll be seed time and harvest. We're going to talk about that. But he said there would be cold and heat as long as you've been on the the planet has there been cold and heat okay well he's keeping his word summer and winter does that still happen amen and how about day and night is that is that still going on amen well as sure as day and night is happening as sure as cold and heat is happening and as sure as summer and winter is happening so is seed time and harvest now let's Get on the real level because not many of us come from agricultural backgrounds. If you come from an agricultural background, wave your hand. All the farmers make some noise. Okay, about four farmers all on that side. We love you all, okay? We really do because if you all didn't do your thing, we wouldn't be able to eat. Amen? Praise God. Here's what it's like. I don't need to give you Greek and Hebrew today because it's actually quite simple. Seed time means a time to plant or sow seeds. So when somebody is sowing seeds, it's the same word as planting seeds. The Bible says as long as the earth will be around day and night, heat and cold, summer and winter, there's going to be a time when somebody's got to plant a seed. And then there's a time to harvest. Everybody say harvest. Now, if you know what this guy is harvesting, this, this farmer is harvesting, I will give the whole entire church it free today. Who knows what this is being harvested? Just raise your hand or shout it out. Who said coffee? My man, everybody gets free coffee on Metro Praise today because of this. Give it up. We always have it free, but I just had to do that. Free coffee. So there's a time to plant the coffee bean. There's a time to harvest the coffee bean. Look at your neighbor and say, that's why I come to church. Because I learned something. Now you learn something. Now this is where I want you to get out your notes and really begin to open up your mind. Because I want you to learn about how much Jesus loved this concept of seed, time, and harvest. A time to plant a seed, a time to harvest a seed. Jesus loved it so much, he talked about it all the time. Matthew 13, verse 3. He talked about the seeds being planted on four grounds. Do you remember the parable? The first seed falls upon the the dirt, uh, the hard concrete. It doesn't grow. The birds come and eat it. The second seed falls among the cracks, and it just barely begins to grow, but the sun comes out and scorches it. The third seed falls among the weeds. It starts to grow, but the weeds choke it out. The fourth seed goes on good ground, and what does the good seed on good ground produce? Somebody say a good harvest. You see, there you get the principle. Good seed on good ground produces what? Good harvest. That's what he talked about in Matthew 13, 3. Matthew 13, 24, he talked about wheat and weeds. Everybody say wheat and weeds. Thank you. He talked about there, there is a time when God goes out and sows his, his word among the people, and it's wheat. It's a good thing. You want it. But then the Bible comes right behind the preachers and begins to sow weeds. And the disciples said, how will we know the difference between the real Christians and the fake Christians? Because they grow right together. And he says, it's not your job to judge. He says, when they get to heaven, the, the harvesters, the angels will come and separate the weeds from the wheat. Are you listening? So the principle is there is that sometimes you can think you're doing the right thing but actually be getting the wrong result. And here's another little message out of that. Sometimes doing the right thing will result in a whole bunch of wrong things going on around you. Just because you started serving God doesn't mean you get to skip through the lilies or yellow brick road to heaven card now. Like, oh, I'm serving God. I didn't think there would be any crazy people around me. No, the Bible says once you start serving God, there's going to be a whole bunch of crazy people around you. Just look at your neighbor and don't say nothing. Don't say nothing. You don't know if they're crazy. Maybe they, I don't know. Okay. But the Bible says we'll know when we get to heaven. But look at your neighbor and say, I think you're a wheat. Okay, there you go. Then the next one, Matthew 13, 32. As you can see, just in three chapters, he talks about these things of seed, time, and harvest. 
Matthew 13, 32, he talks about the mustard seed. How many have ever heard the parable of the mustard seed? How does it go? Something like this. The mustard seed is the smallest seed of the garden. You plant it, then it grows up to be the biggest uh, uh, fruit-bearing tree of the garden. So he said if your faith is the size of this mustard tree, you can do great things. And so what does that teach us? Is that the size of the seed doesn't matter in the size of producing the harvest. You know, look at that apple seed. That apple seed is small. But as it goes into the ground, it now produces a tree of apples. And every one of those apples have about five to eight seeds. Then you take all of those seeds and you plant them again the next year and then you do the same thing with now both of your trees and you continue from that one little seed from an apple after 50 years you could have a million apples are you listening that's the principle of a seed is that a seed multiplies everybody say when it dies it multiplies and we're going to talk about the death of a seed in just a moment then the next thing mark 4 26 he talks about the mystery of a seed everybody say mystery of a seed Thank you. The mystery of a seed is this. When the uh, farmer would plant the seed in the ground, make sure it was good ground, and he began to till it and water it and take care of it, it was a mystery to him and, and botany and how that thing began to die, spread its roots, begin to get nutrients from the ground, poke out its little leaf to get photosynthesis to begin to grow, and then after a time to have buds and to fruit. The farmer of those days had no idea of what you and I would call earth science, but the farmer knew how to do it, and when he would trust that process he would have fruit and he would make a living off of that and what the bible is saying is hey you think you're pretty smart you can't figure out what's going on in the kingdom of god all the time stop trying to figure out just go out there like a good farmer plant your seed be obedient to god and god will bless you and people will look at you say how did that happen only to god only he knows and you'll be faithful to give him the praise and the glory are you listening You see, sometimes we want things just to work out our way. We want our life to be like a stepladder to success. Well, the day I came to church, I got a new job. And then my family started getting along, and my kids miraculously got off drugs. And then the next day, the job gave me a raise. And then my car got tires that never would ever get a flat again. And then I made friends that would never backbite me again. And now I'm just knocking on heaven's door. Here I am, ready to go to heaven. No, what is Christianity like? It's more like connect the dots. You start over here, and then somebody acts crazy in your family, like, oh, my God, how did I get over here? And then somebody fires you on the job, and then you end up way over here. And then something happens in your family. Somebody dies, and then you end up way over here. And you're like, God! I know this was supposed to be a stairway to heaven. He goes, no, we're not playing it like that. We're playing connect the dots. Take a step back. And you look back, and you're like, oh, that's a swan in the lake. Connect the dots. Are you all following me? You see, because we don't understand the plan until we get 20-20 vision. You can't see Chicago like it really is until you get 30,000 feet up in the air. You can see every skyline. You can see every block and every corner. And the people of this world seem really small. And God is trying to tell you, all the things that seem so big to you down here are really small to me. Just follow the path that I have you on because all things work together for those who love me. Amen. That's the mystery of the seed. The John 12, 24 was what I was talking about. The death of the seed. Jesus was tipped by himself and how he would die on the cross be buried. Yet when he rose from the dead, he would not only have a resurrected body, but his death would produce children of God. Multiplicity of people being able to come to heaven. Jesus himself was a seed. And Peter was saying, no, Jesus, you can't die. You have got to be on this earth. And Jesus told him the principle of seed time and harvest. He said, Peter, If I don't die, there can't be fruit to come. So Jesus' death was the death of a seed so that it could sprout life. And if you're happy that Jesus died so that you could have life, can you shout hallelujah? Praise God. I'm glad you came to church and believe in Jesus. Now, the next thing that I want you to see is how the apostles use the concept of seeds. Look at your neighbor and say, just hold on. It's the introduction. Just hold on. It's the introduction. He's not to preaching yet. It's just the introduction. Give him some time. He's working it up right now. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. The Bible calls seed the gospel. That means when I start preaching to you, it's like I'm a farmer. It's like I'm throwing out seed right now. Some of you, your hearts might be hard. Think, think, when am I going to go get something to eat today? Think, why did my family bring me here? Think, and your heart is so hard. Others of you are like, <laughs> and then you get a little fruit coming out. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm fruity, tooty, fresh and fruity. Listen, I messed it up. I messed it up. One of the only times you've seen me use notes in the church. Here we go. 
I want you to ask your neighbor, look at your neighbor, please, and say, neighbor, are you Rudy Tooty, fresh and fruity, or are you just Tooty, stinky and pooty? <laughs> no, no you, I, you're almost there, but you got to look at your other neighbor and say it again. Say, neighbor, are you Rudy Tooty, fresh and fruity, or are you just Tooty, stinky and pooty? Now say amen. See, that makes the difference right now. Are you going to be good fruit or bad fruit? Rudy, tooty, fresh and fruity. That's who we want to be. So when the gospel seed is coming, guys, get it down deep in your heart so you can produce a good fruit. 1 Corinthians 9:11 talks about spiritual seed producing a excuse me, yeah, spiritual seed producing a material harvest. Paul is saying, guys, I work in the church church hard. I'm giving you spiritual blessings. We're, we're praying for healing. We're seeing people come off drugs. He's asking them, now would it be okay if you put some gas in my car? Can you help me go travel to other places? And he's saying, if I've sowed spiritual seed can i reap a material harvest and if you believe that we shouldn't muzzle the ox and we should take care of our pastors can you say amen amen thank you so much for doing that and that's where the principle comes from if your pastor's working hard casting out devils preaching the word of god to you like i'm doing today that's like me giving you the seed and then when you give tithes and offerings you're giving it to this house so we can be taken care of my wife and i can be taken care of and then our churches around the world can be taken care of and there's the principle if you don't believe me check it out i just happen to believe the bible i'm sorry if that makes you upset okay look at your neighbor and say he believes the bible yeah, you ran into one of those churches today. Okay. Look at 2 Corinthians 9.10. Oh, 1 Corinthians 15.37. Everybody say, seed of resurrection. Do you know that your body is, according to the New Testament, a seed? That when you die, your spirit and soul go to heaven. But one day at the last trumpet sound, your body is resurrected into a spiritual body at the rapture of Jesus Christ. So when you die, we get all sad because we can't see that body anymore. But it's actually the planting of a seed so that one day we can be at the resurrection together. Amen? Something to get happy about at a funeral if somebody has served the Lord. Next one, 2 Corinthians 9.10. Somebody say, seed of prosperity. Seed of prosperity talks about that if you're sitting here today and you're going, Pastor, I want to be generous. I want to sow seed in the missions. I want to give seed, but I don't have any seed to give to the church, to give to missions. The Bible actually says you can pray to the, to the farmer, God, for good seed to sow in good ground, and he'll give it to you to reap a good harvest. I'm going to tell you a story as we're talking about this. My friend, she knows him. Christina knows Mark Brewer. Mark Brewer was in a service. Uh, he's a pastor in, in Dallas, Oak Cliff Assembly of God. Was in a church with his uh, a master's commission, a bunch of young students wanting to be radical for God. He's sitting there, and God says to him, Mark, write two blank checks out of your checkbook and give it to your students and let them fill in whatever they want to give to me. Now, you know the first thing he said. Satan? Get behind me. I rebuke you, Satan. You are a foul devil. No, this is God. This is God speaking. Write out a blank check, two blank checks, and give them to your students. He writes out the blank check, signs it in the offering, and he goes, uh, uh, Guys, uh, God told me that uh, if anybody wanted to give in this offering but you couldn't, here, you can give whatever God told you to give. He hands it out to the two people. They fill in multiple thousands of dollars, give it in there, and God blessed him tremendously after that. You might think that's crazy. That's one of the most blessed men that I know. He stepped out in faith to do that. What happened there? Mark was being used by God to, to provide seed to the people who wanted to sow but had no seed to sow. You read this scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. God says, if you don't even have any seed to sow, ask me. I'll give it to you so that you can sow it. Now, when you pray that prayer, don't forget when you got that raise, that's what God was doing. Because sometimes we eat our seed. We want to have some elotes with our corn. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I'm blessed. Hey, elotes, chile. Let's eat. And God's like, ah. I just blessed you. Sow the seed. Look at your neighbor and say, sow the seed. Okay, sow the seed. Amen. 
The next one that you see is the seed of Christ, Galatians 3.19. The Bible talks about Christ himself being that seed. We already went over this, that when the seed dies, it multiplies, and Galatians calls him the seed. The great thing about this is, is you see Galatians 3 goes directly with Genesis chapter 3, that when Adam and Eve sinned, God promised Eve that through her, God would bring forth a seed that would crush the serpent's head. Jesus came as that seed, born of a woman, but a virgin, and when he accomplished the work on the cross said it is finished he had did everything that was prophesied before him because he was the seed of christ can you say that's amazing amen help me preach first peter 123 says that the seed is the imperishable word of god that means anything today you need comes through the word of god and if you put your hope in anything else it's all going to burn the bible says that the wealth of this world is like the grass of the field and all the splendor of the ages is like the flowers if they're here today on tomorrow, but the word of the Lord will endure forever. Long after this preacher is gone, long after you and I are gone, the word of God will endure forever. Long after Michael Jordan's stats, long after all the, the hit records of Lady Gaga, the word of God will endure. Make sure you build your life on the word of God because every other word, every other thing, opinion of man, any other thing you build it on is sinking sand. Come on, on the solid rock, I stand. Everything else is sinking sand. Jesus said, those who hear these words of mine and put them into practice, it's like a wise man who built his house upon a rock, and when the storms came, his house stood. But the one who hears these words and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house upon the sands, and when that great storm came, down went his house, and great was the fall. What are you building your life on today? I am building my life on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Amen? And then lastly, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, you learn that the seed is the new nature. The Bible says those who are born of God cannot continue to sin because the seed of God remains in them. For example, if you know today that you are married to your wife and you guys produce a child, you will never say that child as a good parent, you are not my child. And if that child acted crazy as all get out and you might want to say they're not your child at some point, you will still say that's my child. And I have been in jail ministry. And you know who hangs on to that child to the bitter end? Come on, it's the mamas. And I thank God mama didn't give up on me after dad put up his dukes and said, son, we're about ready to go to the five-fold ministry right now. After church, my dad got mad at me. No joke, I ran through the door, don't even know how I opened it. But listen to me, my mom never gave up on me. Something about a woman's love. And so what this talks about is when you're a child of God, you should be living a holy life. But if you sin, there's forgiveness. And you should hate that sin because you know it it disobeys and displeases your Father in heaven. If you're ready for today's message, can you say amen? Now let's get to what seed time and harvest means. After all the times it's used in the Bible. If I was to sum up everything that you saw from Genesis to the life of Jesus to the uh, disciples and the epistles, what would we say seed, time, and harvest means? Whatever a person sows, they are going to reap. Let's read that again together. One, two, three. Whatever a person sows, they are going to reap. Now, what are some false ideas of this that we hear in the world today? Karma. Anybody ever heard, hear the word term, the term karma? When we think of karma, we get this idea, but I'm going to tell you where it's incorrect. Karma is attached to the idea of a Hinduistic belief that you will live on in a life to come suffering what you did or did not do here, reincarnation. And the problem with reincarnation, not only does it deny uh, Jesus Christ as the one true and only God, it's not one way according to them, many ways, Buddha, Krishna, Muhammad, all of these were just avatars, incarnations of God. But we believe Jesus Christ is the only unique son of God, the only way to heaven. He said, no man comes to me. He cannot go to the Father. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There is only one mediator between man and God, the man, Christ Jesus. Amen. Not only does it make it wrong because of that, but the idea that it gives you is this. And give an example. I've been to India now two times. I spent time and I understand it. The, the cow is sacred not only because they're vegetarians, but because the cow is so voluptuous in meat and its uh, teats, its udders feed so many people. And so what they say is that the cow represents Mother God Earth to the world, that it supplies the need of everything. And so they honor it instead of eating it and they uh, get their milk from the udders. That's how they recognize this. Now, if I go over there and I ate the cow, not only is it against the law, but it's crazy. Okay, so we go 
over there, we have a Big Mac. Otto and I, we just get ourselves some filet mignon, and then we just watch all hell break loose in India. This is what the Indian priest will tell us. He won't say, well, now just ask God to forgive you. Oh, oh no, no, there is no concept of forgiveness. The idea is now you've got to pay that back. Okay, so we pay back the cow. Oh, but no, that, that's not enough. Now you've got to spend your life feeding the cows. And that's why they have these altars to these animals that they call gods. And you'll see the rats, you know, over the rat god and the cat god. Seriously, you know, all hanging out and getting all over the people because what they're doing is penance. Doesn't that kind of sound like another religion that kind of taught you that? Do this many Hail Marys and do this many Our Fathers and... Well, that's another discussion anyways. We'll just talk about those people over there. So not us. But anyways, so when we think of karma, that's what we're thinking of. We're thinking of, oh, man, if I mess up, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be reincarnated, man, as an ant. And somebody's going to squish me and say, take that. And in India, literally, this is what they say to the lepers because we see leprosy there, leper colonies. You know what they say? It's an old Indian proverb. The tears of strangers are mostly water. So when they see the poor, the caste system, you know what that means? You were born poor because in your prior life you sinned. You were born handicapped because you sinned. You were born into this caste because you sinned. And that's what Mahatma Gandhi came and did is he destroyed the caste system and kind of was their Abraham Lincoln and told them that we're all created equal. But their Hinduistic beliefs still to this day cannot wrap their mind around it. They still practice karma in the caste system because they believe that just when you do something, God will not forgive. You must pay it back. I'm not talking about karma today. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. I'm not feeding some cow today out of my hand, getting forgiveness today from the cow God. Amen. And if you think that's crazy, that's why they made a cow God in uh, the time of Aaron when Moses went up to the mountain. So even the Jewish people fell into that lie of the cow. And guess where I'm going? Mardi Gras this Thursday. The biggest parade is Bacchus, the God of the... You all getting excited? Who's some SUM students going to Mardi Gras? Going to the Mardi Gras, New Orleans, baby. We're going to go to New Orleans, and we ain't going for what you think if you don't know what's going on. This church is crazy. Now I know why they're playing club music. We go there to preach, okay? We go there to feed the homeless, the hurting. We preach like this on the streets. We get radical for God. So pray for us, please. Amen? The great big parade for the Mardi Gras people, Bacchus, God of the Bull, same thing. Happens even today, paganism. Throw me something, mister. Throwing off these beads that represent paganism. Prayer beads have been around since the beginning of time. Uh, the blooms and, and the medallions all representing their deity. All of that comes into Catholicism, which brought it to the French. Everybody say, help them, Jesus. Now, having said all of that, it's not about karma. Now, the next thing that we think when it comes to seed time and harvest and our understanding that's a little bit twisted is we think about what goes around. Let's do it again. What goes around. Now, I'm going to tell you where that fails because what goes around comes around doesn't always happen in our life. So, for example, if what I was telling you about the Bible, then that must mean the poorest people in our world should be the, best, uh, the worst of sinners because what goes around comes around. So if Bill Gates supports abortion, what goes around comes around. He should be broke right now, shouldn't he? But you see, what goes around doesn't come around because sometimes we don't see it in this life. And so people actually think they're okay. This is called pragmatism. Everybody say pragmatism. Pragmatism teaches you if it works, it's right. And so this is where we have in our society today. Well, coming to church, you really didn't get that much of a new job. Your children are kind of acting just the way they did. Well, I guess it wasn't worth it to come. You could go out and play golf, work an extra couple of hours on Sundays. Now you've got a new job. You don't spend as much time with your kids, so you think they're doing better, but they're really not. And now you say, well, you know what? It works, so I must be right. What goes around comes around. And what we don't understand is that God is not looking at your life as these 70 years. God is looking at eternal life. I don't want to be next to Bill Gates on Judgment Day. Judgment Day to Bill Gates will not be kind. Because everything on that day he will reap. You see, there are some seeds that right now you could plant into the ground. They'll come up within a few months. There are other seeds like the palm trees where the coconuts come from that take years to germinate into the ground. And then to grow, sometimes you'll see trees out there in California, red oaks that are over 100, 150 years old. The Bible says that some people on this earth will look good, but they have been sowing a seed to destruction, and it will finally come to the end on that day. So be careful when you look at Oprah Winfrey and go, no, look, Oprah Winfrey's good because, I mean, it works. I mean, look at her. She, she gives away all these things. No, 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 no. It's not what goes around just comes around right here. She is reaping a harvest for everything she said about, against God, everything that she's had with Stedman outside of adult 
adultery. Every word that she said will be held accountable to her on the judgment day. She will reap a harvest of apple trees for all the seeds that she has sown. So don't be deceived because bad people make it good on earth. God said, beware of that. Are you listening to me? Can you say amen? Here's what it looks like. Luke chapter 6, verse 43 to 45. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. Now, who's the gardener? Everybody say Jesus. Thank you. So the gardener is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, but specifically it's Jesus. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. Now, we don't know much about farming, but how many would get that part right there? When you go to your garden, you're picking a weed. You're not like, man, where's that fig at? No, you understand that needs to be thrown away, okay? So you get that, verse 45. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up where in his, stored up where in his, amen, thank you. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart thank you for out of the overflow his heart his what speaks his mouth speaks thank you so what we're talking about isn't just what goes around comes around because in your heart you could be wicked but having a million dollar business in your heart you could be wicked but you may be looking like you have a great family maybe your wife is just as wicked as you and she don't care about god either Maybe your kids are going to college and doing well because you judge goodness on how good their grades are. You have no idea they're fornicating in their dorm room doing drugs because you decide that just because they go to college, they're doing good. So the Bible says that what we're talking about here, seed, time, and harvest, is an issue of the heart. There's the principle. Are you ready today? Amen. I said all of that to say this to you. Here's the principles. You need now to look at these areas of your life, and you need to see, am I doing it God's way? If you're not happy with the fruit that you have, you need to check the root that you have. If your root comes from a bad seed, that's why your fruit is bad. Look at your job right now. If you're not happy with your job today, it may be because you're not where God wants you to be. You have to start sowing new seed. If you want to realign yourself, you need to re-educate. If you want a good job, you've got to come early and stay late and win the favor of your boss. So if you're not happy with your job today, all you're doing is reaping the fruit of what you have sown. Nobody made you be a dentist. Nobody, there's no communist government here that assigns work to every person. You made those choices. Now there may be things out of your hands, like the weather. A farmer can't control that, like our economy. But you need to decide today, what do you want to reap out of a career? That is what you need to sow, because whatever you sow is what you're going to reap. If you reap coming late, lying on your taxes, cheating on your, uh, you know, the hours that you're supposed to be working, cutting quarters on your job, don't be surprised when in your life you reap confusion and discontent, and eventually there is a firing. Are you listening? This part applies great to Bill Gates because the reason why he reaps in the natural world is because he follows the principles of the natural world. He sows inventive ideas. Inventive ideas bring a harvest of money. It's not just for spiritual people. It's a principle for everybody. Seed, time, and harvest. Are you with me? The next thing is, is your weight. Everybody go, yikes. Okay, if you got some love handles now, go ahead and touch them right now. Come on, go ahead and touch them. Now, if you got some muscles, go ahead and flex them. Now, if you got some muscles, tell your neighbor it's okay. You can touch. Welcome to the gun show. Welcome to the gun show. Now, if you don't like the rate of muscles to the love handles, you're sewing the wrong thing. I've been sewing too much. Are you listening to me? Too much. So I got nobody to blame but myself. It's a natural principle. See, God developed this. Right now, how I eat determines my muscle-to-body fat ratio. And I'm losing the battle right now, so pray for me. And if you feel like you're losing the battle, don't blame anybody else. What do you need to start doing? Sow good seed. Eat the right thing so you can get the right harvest. Amen. Amen. You all believe that. Now, look at this. Look at your children. Look at your children. How are your children behaving today? I'm not saying that everything can be blamed on the parents, but I believe that it starts with the parents. If your children are cursing, why is that? Have you sold that into their life through the movies, the TV, and the television? I mean, the music that they listen to? Let's keep it real. If, if they're yelling at each other, is that because you've been yelling at them and the husband yells at you or, Mom, you yell at the husband? You can't blame your kids for the fruit that they've become. They've only come from your root. 
Like I said, nobody's going to come into my house and teach Bethany how to lie, steal, and do all of that with my remote. She does that out of her own sinful nature. It's my job to break that root, sow good seeds of obedience, so that she'll have the fruit of a good life pleasing unto God. It's not just a college education. And I'm in college, and I'm telling you, there's a lot of dummies there in college. Just because you have a degree does not mean you are living according to God's plan. And then lastly, look at your marriage. How were you guys in the car this morning? Could I just go cha-ching and you just you and your husband be like that? Let's keep it real. If that's you, praise God, you're sowing some good seeds. If you're not doing family devotions at least a couple times a week, we aim for every day. But if you're not doing a couple times a week, that's why it's going to get tore up because you're not sowing spiritual seeds into your relationships. And if dating couples, the only spiritual thing you can say to each other is, God made you for me. And I'm so happy he made your beautiful eyes. And, oh, your body just, oh, it's, your body is a wonderland. I feel like I lose my mind. If that's the most spiritual thing, stop it. Stop it. Get out your Bible. Read Romans chapter 3. You know what I'm saying? Read something. Pour spiritualism into that relationship, not just physicalism. And then marriages, if you are not doing the love tank or her needs, his needs, something where every day you're just asking each other, man, how are you doing? How's your tank? Is it kind of full, kind of empty? How am I doing loving on you? You know, if y'all ain't keeping it real, that's why your tank runs on empty, you know, and it ends up on the side of the road all busted and disgusted and nobody gets along anymore. You've got to keep filling that tank. Because what you put into something is what you get out of it. And it works in the kingdom of God. And here's the good thing as we start this principles right here. Here's the good thing is that you can be forgiven. Whatever bad seeds you've sown, you can be forgiven. Can you say amen? Here's the message today, and I'm preaching it in these last few moments. Write these three areas of your life down and turn with me to Galatians chapter 6, verse 8. Chapter 6, verse 8. The first thing is salvation. Everybody say salvation. Thank you. The first and most important thing I want you to realize with the sowing and reaping today, the seed time and harvest, is that you have got to sow unto salvation. You have got to plant seeds unto salvation. If you do not plant seeds unto salvation, you will be lost. And your harvest, your punishment, your wages will be eternity in hell. And as I talk about hell, you can sense the seriousness because I don't want anybody to take it as a joke. I want you to see that God created heaven for you, not hell. But hell is for those who sow unto the flesh, who deny God. There is a harvest coming your way. You may not see it now. You may have been doing good in your job, even in your family. But if your salvation is not right, it will perish with you for eternity. Look at Galatians chapter 6. Start up just a, a few bit verses to verse 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Why does the Bible tell you like that? It says it like this. Listen, you wouldn't play your boss like that. Don't play God like that. You wouldn't lie to the policeman like that. You wouldn't lie to the judge like that. Don't lie to God. God knows what you're sowing with that computer, sir. God knows what you're sowing, man, when you talk to your girlfriends. God knows what you're doing, young people, when your parents are not around. Listen to me. God will not be mocked. Oh, well, adultery, it's okay. God will not be mocked. Why just take his name in vain every now and then? God will not be mocked. Take him at his word. You will not play God as a clown, show up, and just get out of it. Well, God, I made a lot of money. We didn't feel like getting married because we would have paid more on our taxes. However, I've heard the most silliest examples. Well, you know, we would make it harder for this. Just listen to me. Follow God. It is worth it because he will not be mocked. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature. Can you say sinful nature? Thank you. From that nature will reap what? destruction say it like you mean it destruction thank you the one who sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life heaven and hell is in your hands right now you came to this church to hear a preacher preach seed is coming to you right now what are you going to do with it now are you going to sow your life into the things of this world the flesh my name is Jimmy, and I'm going to take all I can give me. Just get it, get it, get it. There is no U-Haul following you to your graveside. And before God, you came into this world naked, and before him naked you will stand. 
And even if you said, I'll never kiss his feet, even though every Muslim that blew himself up yelling Allah Akbar and, you know, all of these things, they will bow down and kiss his feet, declare him Lord. And I will tell you what, the last thing you will see is his feet kick you out of heaven and you will be in the pits of hell forever. I don't care if you think that's outdated. Your comparative religion class told you that good God couldn't do that to you. This Bible still teaches an eternal hellfire place called hell. I'm going to tell you as it is. I didn't come to make you smile and just laugh all day. I came to tell you God will not be mocked. You're planting seed with your life. I had all my 201 students today make 60 boxes. If you're under 20, make 60 boxes in your life. Label every one. Over 30, make 50 boxes. And every year you live, just cross one off. Your life is marked, my friend. You are not going to live forever. And you are going to one day stand before a God who created you for more than laughs and giggles in American dream. He created you to know him and to love your neighbor as yourself and make sure you get it right because if you do you will reap eternal life if you don't the bible says you will reap destruction today our society is playing with that so hardcore it makes me more concerned than i've ever been in my entire life children being taught to to question their identity we love every gay lesbian transgender bisexual polyamorous person you know but i'm here today to tell you if you don't get it right there will be no san francisco judge to tell you we said it's okay here god said it's not okay and i don't care how many of your friends lie steal and cheat on their jobs listen to me mr big bucks you will stand before god as a thief read the parable of lazarus in the rich man. The rich man was cast into hell. Lazarus the beggar was at Abraham's bosom and he cried out. I preached a message on it. A cry from hell. And what was his cry? Can the poor man dip his finger in water and put it on my tongue because I'm in so much torment here. God is serious about judgment. Get life right, my friends. You only got one chance at it. There is no reset, guys, on this game. And it's not a game. But I'm telling you, you will face judgment. See time and harvest. You have a choice. Are you going to sow to your sinful nature or spirit? Because that determines at the end of your life, do you reap destruction or eternal life? If you want eternal life, somebody say, thank you, Pastor. Amen. Now you know. Let's go to our finances. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. And I'm going to calm it down a little bit because I don't want you to think I'm going to be mean to you here. And obviously I wasn't being mean before, but I am passionate about heaven and hell because I don't want anybody to go there. But I want to talk to you about finances briefly right now because the Bible says if there's anything else that will compete with God in your life, it is your checkbook, it is your wallet. When he said you cannot serve two masters, the one that he compared with himself, was it sex? You cannot serve God in sex? You cannot serve God in a false religion. He said you cannot serve God in what? Money. Why did God say that the money is the root to all sorts of evil in Timothy? Why did God teach us that, that the money is the number one competing thing for your life? Because money is everything that God can't give you on this earth. You get for yourself. Well, you know, you hear the old saying, money can't buy me love. The Beatles found that out, but some of us haven't. There was a study done on Monaco, the richest country in the world. They have a $100 million yacht right now, and there's another bozo going to build a $150 million yacht just to say now he has the biggest yacht in uh, Morocco. Somebody say, the fool. $150 million on a yacht. $150 million on a yacht. And Pierce Morgan, you know who took over the Larry King show? He was interviewing these people, and he said, just keep it real, man. Pierce Morgan, this prideful guy from England, is blown away by the amount of wealth being spent there. Apartments costing $10, $20 million. And he said to them, he said, how are the people happy here? How are these people? And the person he was interviewing said, these are the most miserable people I've ever met in my life. From the world, from the mouth of the world, my friends. And why do we chase after it? Why do we want to be like that guy in our company that forsook his family for the race? My friends, you would rather be the janitor and have a great family than to be that guy and lose all your kids. Come on. All these marriages staying together to put their kids through college. All these kids going to college saying, I never grew up. I meet all these college kids. They say, I never really grew up knowing my mother and my father. They were so busy working. All the greed that's inside people's hearts today. It's just never enough. It's a bottomless pit. The more we have, the more we want. It's like the new, 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 new thing. You know, before you know it, they have the 4D, the 8D, the 10D. Before you know it, TV's just going to be right in front of you, slapping you on the face, saying, get up off your butt, Bubba, and do something. 
We just want to be entertained. We just, we just want sports to make up for everything we're not in life. And we'll become fanatics. And we spend all this money on meaningless things. Yes, do you need a house? Yes, do you need clothes? Yes, do you need that? Well, money buys that. But we chase money for more than that. You know, before the recession, if I checked every one of you know, even including myself, we were living well beyond our means. The average American is $5,000 in debt right now because he just had to have the next thing of the person next to him. Just so he could have the next doodle. Can I give everybody, uh, uh, just, uh, just right now, just a revelation? We've lived 6,000 years without cell phones. You could live a day without one too. We didn't always have beamers with 22-inch rims, young people. Why have we said our standard of living is like this? Take a mission trip with me to India, and I'll show you how you and I can live, and your children will be very happy. If the worst thing, if the worst thing your kids say is, Mom and Dad grew us up in a one-bedroom apartment, but we were loved, do you think that's a bad thing? Come on, our generation's past. I walked into my dad's house. My, my grandpa died of multi-millionaire properties all over Chicago. Not the Bose, but just to make the point. I walked in my dad's house, little Chicago bungalow, you know, little living room, one bathroom he grew up, you know, with six people in the house. You know what he said? We were happy. We didn't know any better. We didn't know we were supposed to have a bathroom in, a bathroom in each bedroom and a master bedroom with jacuzzi. And we were supposed to have plasmas on each TV all wired together to our Devo so we don't miss our favorite TV shows. People have lived without that. You and I can live without that. And now when you're saying, Pastor, well, I already know that. Well, let me ask you the question. If we compared your offerings to, to, uh, to the church, to your offerings to the movie in Redbox, where would we stand right now? How much offering do you give to iTunes compared to the foreign missions? How much do you give to the poor and needy as opposed to your own greedy self? Let's keep it real. All these things we don't need, we're giving it to somebody else. Please turn there with me. Second Corinthians 9, 6. If you're loving it, somebody say, preach it, preacher. They put on the air conditioning for me, saying, sorry if you're getting a little cold, just hang in. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give whatever he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or in a compulsion, for God loves a what? A cheerful giver. Nobody's making you give here. I don't follow you to your house. You want to go get the Avatar Deluxe DVD set for $50 with the little scratch and sniff thing? It smells just like the jungles of Avatar, man. If you want to go get the scratch and sniff Avatar complete DVD box set, if, uh, you know, listen to me, sir. You want to go out and get the new Arm Arnold Palmer golf clubs that are gold plated with his little signature on it. Look at these babies holding one. If you want to spend your money, that's up to you. But I want to ask you a question. When it comes to God's kingdom, because he says, do not store up your treasures on this earth where moth and rust can destroy, but store up treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there is your heart. Let me ask you a question. Where is your heart today? Where is your heart today? Because if you have just a little treasure up in heaven, don't come blaming me. Amen. Some people are going to get up to heaven. God's going to reward them for all the good that they've done. They've worked so hard for Jesus, man. They gave the $2 in mission offering when they were blowing it all over here. And they get up there. And, and God says, are you ready for your crown, the reward of your hard labor? Yes. He's going to pull out one of these little Burger King crowns. He's going to say, hold on, guys. Let me cut it out with my scissors. Uh, let me tape it together. Let me put it on. Then all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost wind is going to come by. And your nair is going to go to your crown. Don't hate when all of a sudden you hear this. Angels, we got issues crown. Come on over here. Boop, boop, boop. They're going to need to come flying that with ten angels. Come on, somebody. I know it's a silly example, but get it in your heart. Where your treasure is, there is your heart. Do you have a Burger King-sized treasure up in heaven and got it all down here? Or do you got a little Burger King thing down here, but it's all up there because you know you're going to be up there a lot longer than you're going to be down here? And I'm not talking about neglecting your family. The Bible says you know in your heart what to give. You know when you go out and do things that it just spoils yourself. You know when it comes to God, you give it to God out of that same heart. And the Bible says don't hate but celebrate because those who give generously reap generously. And the good thing about this is it's different to every person. There may be somebody here that can say a million dollars is my tithe. They made $10 million this last fiscal year. Look at your neighbor and go, hey, man, I'm glad I'm sitting next to you. 
That might be your neighbor right now. $10 million, you don't know. Millionaires like to dress a casual today, right? Show up at the church, you don't know. So they put in a million dollars, but hey, hold on. Before we go, Mr. Big Bucks is here. A million dollar offering. Hey, no, dude, that's just your tithe, dude. That's just like the young girl that got her $10 allowance from her mom over the weekend. He goes, hey, mom, I got my dollar. I'm giving it to God. That's just your tithe. See, I love it with God. He plays it fair with everybody. A tithe is a tithe to everybody. So the millionaire who just dropped that million after that $10 million, he's got $9 million. Now, what are you giving back to God, man? Where's your offering? Because that 90% is yours. I want to make sure that I give it back to God. Could you stand to your feet with me and just say amen? Amen. Band, would you come, please? I hope that you had a good time today and also learned something very important on the principle of seed, time, and harvest. In closing today, go back to that scripture, please, of Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Salvation, finances. I could talk about your family today. I could talk about your job and all these things, but I think this will sum it up. Galatians 6, chapter 7, says it like this. Good works. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps whatever he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Okay, we got that. That's for salvation. But look at verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. That sums up everything right there. Go home today, study the principles of a good family, and begin to put those principles into good works. And don't give up. If the farmer went today and planted a seed, and you know they're getting ready to plant right now, fall is harvest time. They're looking to the spring, man. They're like, okay, when's this weather going to hit? We're going to start planting. If they drop those seeds in April, May, and come back the next week and say, okay, where's my corn stalks? That guy's crazy. What are you talking about, man? That corn stalk's not coming today. you got to plant that in April, May. you got to come back around September, October. I'm from the cornfields of Fort Wayne, Indiana, man. Corn stalks stand this high, four or five head of corn on each stalk. Don't get me started. Good old corn, white corn, yellow corn, best corn from the Amish, by the way. Y'all know nothing about no Amish. Y'all looked at me crazy. I ain't got time for them. But we'll talk about them another day. you got corn standing this high. See, the man who started in April, he has got to see October. Because every day he gets out, that sun gets hotter and hotter. Days get longer and longer. And he has to work harder and harder. Because he's seeing in the future there's a harvest. Some of you came to this church, and the day you showed up at this church, you said, God, change my family. And I am so excited that you prayed that prayer because those are my favorite prayers. Change my family because I was a part of, of a bad family because I made it bad. I, I was the, the drug alcoholic kid and, and I messed up my family. So when I got it right, it made my parents so happy as an answer to prayer. So I love that. But here's what a lot of people aren't getting. And you guys can turn off the air. Elders, I know it's cold in here, please. Thank you. But you started when you came and you just planted your seed. Why do some of you get discouraged on the second month, third month? There's nothing that breaks my heart more than to see somebody that was so excited this day lose it in just a few months. It's almost like, man, I wish you wouldn't have started if you're going to end like that. I wish you would have started when, the, when you knew it was going to be the right time. And then people say, well, my time's never right. So I, it just breaks my heart when I see people get confused like that. Let me help you. First of all, the right time to plant seed in your jacked up life is right now. My time to plant seed in my jacked up life is right now. Amen? So stop waiting for another time. Don't blame God. Start planting seed now. And as you start stepping forward, don't get discouraged. My wife and I have a great marriage because I've been serving God for 15 years. Do you think we've seen some harvest? Yeah, because we had to plant some seed. 
Man, they labeled me in Bible college a bachelor to the rapture. They thought I was going to go to heaven single and be married to Jesus for the rest of my life. There ain't nothing wrong with that, okay, by the way. I'm in love with another man, and his name is Jesus. First time I was the groom, next time I'm the bride. Amen? I'm okay with that. I'm okay. I've settled my, my issue with it. So some of you, you know, you come to church, and, you're, and you're, you remind me of the little kids when we were in kindergarten, and we would plant those seeds. I know some of you did it. And every day you come back to the classroom, and you're like, okay, where is it? Where is it? Oh, is there something wrong with it? And how many know the more you mess with it, actually the more you destroy what's going on in there? No, leave it alone. Leave it alone. You may not see it, but God sees it right now. You're changing by the, the seeds you're planting. It may look like right now everybody has just left your life. Well, because God's a good farmer. You know why? You don't plant seeds and weeds. What do you do first? Oh, I got to get this relationship out of their life. I, I got to reposition their job. I, I've got to take away some of these wrong influences. They're too focused on that. And you're like, God, God, where, where are you? No, I'm just planting some good seed in good ground so that nine months later there will be a good harvest. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just worship Him. Just raise up your hands and say, start in me, God. Start in me today, God. Come on, if there's some weeds in your heart today, just ask the Lord to pick them out. If there's some things you want changed in your life, we're not going to do another altar call. We'll be up at the end if you need prayer. But just right now, you and God, you're God's garden. You are the garden of God. Come on, ask Him today. Don't worry about your neighbor. Don't even worry about the person next to you. Come on, you go for God today. Jesus, pull out the weeds of discouragement. Pull out the weeds of our past. Pull out the weeds of addictions, bad relationships. Plant good seed in us today, God. Plant good seed. Seeds of healthy marriages. Come on, if you're standing next to your wife now, just hold up her hand. Husbands and wives holding hands. Good marriages produced in this house. A good harvest. If you're with your children, hold your children's hand. A healthy family. A healthy home. Loving God. A happy home. Jesus. Families right now, be restored. Be healed. It's a new season. It's, it's time to plant. It's time to plant. Stop looking at your past. Stop looking how it got messed up before. There's not a better time than now. This is the best time to start a new life, a new family. It's okay to cry. It's okay to confess your sins. But today, it's going to be a day of joy. It's going to be a day of newness. Jesus. Come on, some of those people out of jobs right now, just raise up your hands and say, God, I don't know how, I don't know when, but I know you're going to bless me. I know you're going to bless me. I know you're planting seeds of provision and prosperity in me. It's not over, sir. It's not over, ma'am. God is going to bless you. God is going to bless you. Come on, young people. If you're in this place and you're suffering temptation, people around you seem to be all weedy up in your life. Just say, God, give me the right friends. Bless my destiny. Bless my future husband or wife. Oh, I want to be a blessing. You got the rest of your life. The Bible says, do not forsake the Lord from the days of your youth. Woo, I feel a newness in here. I feel God's getting His hands dirty, planting some seed in your life today. Come on, 30 more seconds. 30 more seconds. God is here. Anything you can think of today, the weeds will be pulled. Good seed on your good ground and a good harvest. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, God, some of you have tried to figure it out. Come on, you don't know it all. Let God do it. Let God connect the dots of your life together. Jesus. If you believe there's some new things going on in your life, would you bless Him and thank Him now? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you hold the hand of the person next to you? We're going to close out today in prayer. The band will sing a song. 
and we will pray at the front for any special needs. But I just know we went long today, so we're going to dismiss those that need to go or fellowship. Please just feel free to hang out. But we're just going to sing a song in, in this place if you want to just get some more. I just felt that so much. God, I thank you. Oh, good seed. Good ground. Producing a good harvest. This is not karma. There is forgiveness. There is change. There is transformation. I feel like God's been doing some things in my life. I'm preaching to myself today. I'm wondering where it's all going. But he says, I've got to clear the path for some new seed. I've got to clear the path for a new vegetable row in your garden, son. Just trust God today, friends. I'm trusting him. Oh, Father, thank you, God, that there's a mystery in this germination, in this seed. We don't always see it. Sometimes our friends think we're crazy for coming to a church that shouts and hollers and cries and jumps. And they just think it's all a bunch of emotion. But God, we know it's not. We've seen it work. And Lord, help us to trust you when sometimes we don't feel it or we can't see it. Help us to keep our hands off of it. Because God, every time we get involved, we mess it up. Every time we try to fix it, it messes up. We give you our family and our jobs and our futures and our children. And we give you this church, oh God, just every person here. Just take a few moments just to let it sink in today before you leave out. Thank you, God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Now, Lord, I pray you just bless us now. Let us all go to these new small uh, groups that we've called life groups. Let's get some life, God. Let's water those seeds. Let's have some other gardeners help us plant them. Oh, let's have our friends help us pick out the weeds and celebrate our harvest together in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. If you love the Lord, will you just bless Him? We love you, Jesus. God bless you. Slap somebody high five and say, It's harvest time. Hang out, fellowship, band, sing us a song. We're up if you want to pray. Thank you for coming today.